filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So uh, we had our, our final uh, immediate, immediate goal for media availability with Ben Olson and it was held at RFKs, which meant uh, a trip back to RFK for the first time this year. Um, for me anyway, for, for, um, the folks that attend training, they've been quite a few times, but, uh, I haven't been able to go to training. The only midweek, uh, daytime press thing that I attended this year was the Rooney thing because, you know, they're on weekdays in the middle of the day. Um, you can't just, you know, conk out and, and go do whatever you want. Um, Unless you're Stephen Streff. Well, you know, he, he works at different hours, uh, so he has it made. But uh, I have a more standard schedule and therefore do not have the availability to go hang out and watch people kick a ball around. Um, at least not, you know, at 11 a.m. Um, but anyway, I got to go over to RFK and and it's kind of it's kind of a slap in the face to see how like we thought events DC was not putting money into that place before. Um, it looks like it has aged five years in the last year. Um, as far as the paint peeling away and stuff like that goes. Um, but some parts of it haven't really changed. Um, you know, I, I, when you leave the, what's called the family room, which is where you do a lot of these things, uh, these media interview things, um, you're not far from a tunnel out towards the, um, South end of the stadium on the quiet side, it's that tunnel. Um, so, you know, we wandered out there briefly to take a look at the grass. The grass is, is long, but it's not unkempt. It's, I think they're leaving it long to cut down for some sort of football game. Um, yeah, I they usually, they sometimes like host a bowl game there. Right. And if it's not a bowl game, there's probably like a high school championship game, something like that. Mm. But they've got the, the, um, oh, the turkey bowl is there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that they're clearly in preparation for that. Um, but it's still kind of striking to walk out and, you know, as nice as Audi field is, it's not as big as RFK, first of all. So, um, it's still kind of striking, uh, to see the place and, uh, to see some of the old stuff hanging up in some of these, um, these areas that fans don't really get to go to. Like the family room, for example, has old photos and it's not, you know, anywhere in the building, you know, you go into the um, media room by the press box and there's a photo of Devin McTavish and there's a photo of, um, I think Santino Quaranta was up there for a while at one point. Um, But like down in the family room, it's, you get a little more obscure. So there's like one of Dominic Mediate. There's one of Chino Alegria. Uh, Jeff Onger is there. There is a Roy Lassiter that's not very obscure, but there are are there any pictures of Dane Murphy. No, um, there are two different photos of Mario Gori, um, <laughs> which I think is, is kind of awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was cool to get to go back there, even if for a little while, even if, you know, I didn't go out into the stands and, and 
wander anything like that. You know, you you're not in a fan area. You're in the the bowels of RFK. This is where it's at. Um, but uh, there's still some of the some of the RFK traditions. Like uh, there's a there's a bug trap in there, like a one of those like sticky ones. And you know, there's that story Ben Olson told years ago about encountering a a gigantic cockroach that tips its hat on uh, New Year's Day and goes yeah. back to what it's doing. You can see why he's talking about them because there are some pretty enormous cockroaches that are dead on this bug trap in the corner. Um, that are uh, a sight to see, I guess is is the best way to put it. But uh, yeah, it's still um, that place is gonna it's gonna stand up until it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't look like it's gonna crumble or anything. It's just gonna be aged somehow. Well, it feels like just- it feels like the the relative, you know, who is you know, obviously getting older, but, but still hanging on and, and keeping it together for Why the Why do you got to make part. it so depressing? And then, you know, once they retire or once they finish doing what they needed to do, it, it goes downhill because it's sad. RFK is a wonderful place. And even RFK if we're not there, is not like a relative it, dying. It's not, not like that. Yes, it is. It's a building. <laughs> it's not a human. It, it it's not a human, but it it had a personality in a way, and it 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 was a part of a lot of our families. If you spend a lot of time there, and it's it's sad to hear about it deteriorating. Anyway, hey hey, welcome in. This is filibuster. The Memory Lane and Black and Red United podcast. I'm I was going to make a pun, but Adam just bummed me out, so I'm not going to make a pun <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I am the bummer known as Adam Taylor. Uh, you're welcome for keeping Ben Bromley from from punning. Jason Anderson, also with us. Uh, if I understand correctly, not at RFK right now. Uh, correct. <laughs> the little map on our uh, web on Uber conference, which we used to record this says that he is much closer to the Bay than RFK is. So he's out there in Maryland. Ben's down in, in Virginia. I'm here in DC um, where hopefully you don't hear police choppers. They don't happen all the time in my neighborhood, but they did happen tonight. Uh, we are all from black and red united.com. We talk about soccer tonight. We are, well, we're talking about a lot of stuff tonight. Um, no clear agenda, just a lot of things to get to. Um, We'll have real, hopefully, have real more structured off-season content like we've had in in previous years, starting next week, um, with with cake or death and and various other off-season things to talk about. Uh, before we do any of that, though, Ben, can I cheer you up by asking what you're drinking? I mean, you can ask me, but it won't cheer me up. I am drinking a uh, old fashioned. But instead of regular simple syrup, we decided to make uh, maple simple syrup uh, okay. this weekend. So we did uh, one part water, or well, two parts water, one part sugar, one part maple syrup. And then okay. we boiled it down the regular way you do with uh, regular simple syrup. And how is it? It's good. It's, it's, I would not want any more maple in it. Right. It, it, it is. Diluting the maple was a good call. Yes, exactly. So, but yeah, it, it's good. It, it gives a nice uh, fall, wintry uh, delightfulness to it. 
Nice. I'm glad you just said maple syrup and not like uh, we're having an old fashioned, but instead of fruit, it's cucumber. And instead of whiskey, it's. Gin. Your, yeah, Jen, <laughs> it's Pim's. We, you made a Pim's cup and you're calling me. <laughs> right. you didn't go that route. <laughs> I was really nervous there for a second. <laughs> and then you said maple simple syrup and I had this huge just wave of relief. <laughs> I am having an old overholt rye ricky okay. which is good it is tasty old overholt very good budget rye uh especially for mixing i don't know if i would recommend drinking it neat but it's it makes you know really good easy cocktails do you think do you think that's appropriate for the impending snowstorm that y'all are about to get that is already canceling schools it, it's canceling schools in virginia sir DC might be delayed because the roads could be an icy mess, but uh, I don't think schools in DC are going to be canceled outright. Uh, You know, if if it is just a delay, I'll say, no, this is not the drink to get me through that because I will have to go to work (laughs) after uh, schools open and I take my daughter to school. Uh, But should it be a full on cancellation uh, against the odds? Yeah. Who knows? I, I I probably won't have any more lime after tonight, so it, it, I'd have to go with another drink. But You're just gonna get scurvy then. Yeah, one day without limes. I have a friend actually who tried to give himself scurvy once. Harder than you think. It is really difficult. He failed. But, but, but no, 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 no! I don't care how hard it is. Why? Science, Ben. No. Human well, knowledge. There, there is a um, unfortunately no longer uh, on the internet uh, blog um, about the experience of working in Antarctica, and uh, part of part of the experience is finding out that your giant corporate overlord, because you have to get a job through Raytheon, um, has some fairly perverse. Um, ideas on worker safety. And so there are things like we're going to reward you guys. If there are fewer uh, work injuries reported during this quarter, which you would think not being injured is the reward. Um, but uh, eventually the, I'm, I'm actually with, okay with over incentivizing safety. The, eventually the, the way that they were, the, the thing is it also came with like a punishment. Like if there were too many people are going to be punished. Um, oh gosh. Not, That's yeah. weird. Um, and so eventually the author of this began putting on a contest that was um, a contest in which you had to give yourself scurvy. Uh, it had to be documented by a doctor, a real doctor, um, and that anyone that gave themselves scurvy, he was going to give them like a thousand dollars and a night out on the town in uh, New Zealand, which I guess is the the stopover point for everybody. You basically, you go nuts in New Zealand, then you go work in Antarctica for six months. Um, but, but the whole thing was about, you know, you have to legitimately give yourself scurvy. And then he, he later reflected on it and was like, the reason no one succeeded at this is because getting scurvy is hard. Um, modern society is set up to prevent you from getting scurvy, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. And, and my buddy did try, he, he tried to cut out all vitamin C from his diet and it it was impossible to do so. It's, it's in everything. And you know, the Good. cure for scurvy is start eating vitamin C again. So if you're not on a ship in the eight, you know, 17th century, yes. you have access to vitamin C in modern society. It turns out whether you want to or not, 
Um, so, so yeah, I'm not recommending anybody try to give themselves scurvy, but if you did, you'd probably fail, which is good. I would be impressed though. If somebody intentionally gave themselves scurvy living in today, Jason, don't encourage that more than we already have. I don't want to be on the hook here. Do not. My legal advice is do well, not try to give yourself scurvy. We have no legal. I was already on that, that train. You, you all are the pro scurvy train. If you give yourself scurvy, the consequences are yours and yours alone. Um, but I'm saying We're now that, in Legends of the Hidden Temple. I'm the only <laughs> person on this podcast who is 100% anti scurvy. No, I'm. I think that that is overstating it. I think uh, I I was willing to respect the scientific rigor my friend put himself under uh, to to prove to himself that he could not get scurvy in modern society. If you're you know alone in the woods without access to you know citrus or or processed foods, then you might be able to get scurvy and that would suck because you wouldn't have a, a cure for it ready either. Um, that would not be giving yourself scurvy. That would be situation circumstances forcing you to, you know, have that. I am anti that. I don't want people to get scurvy, but uh, it's good that people cannot give themselves scurvy in modern society. That doesn't make me pro scurvy. It means my friend did a dumb thing and it worked out. Okay. And I think I, looking back on it, it's funny. Jason, what are you drinking? First of all, I think if you set out to give yourself scurvy, then I hope you accomplish your goals for yourself because goals are important in life. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can set out and set, you can set a different goal. It, <laughs> we recommend you set a different goal. There are other things in life other than getting scurvy. There's a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you could set out to like run faster or uh, jump higher, get better, get better at get scurvy. Uh, learn to cook uh, better than you already do. But, you know, if scurvy is what you're set on, then, you know, I'm not going to stop you. You should probably not <laughs> not set goals that require self-harm. I'm gonna, Set a goal not to self-harm first, and then set subsequent goals from there. Anyway, um, <laughs> I am not, I, I'm not drinking uh, anything scurvy-related. Um, I am drinking, uh, so I got this, like one of the meal service, uh, the meal delivery companies. Um, uh, I'm not going to say their name because they don't pay us. You uh, millennial. If oh, no, I don't, I'm not actually part of one of the plans. Um, but they did have a wine plan that I, in a different delivery, got a discount card and I did the math and it became very worth taking them up on the wine plan. Uh, at least for one month and then canceling it as soon as I got my one delivery in at half price. Um, if you are one of those companies, please uh, look into sponsoring us, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but until then, I'm not going to say your name. Um, so I'm on bottle number three of the six they sent. Wow. Um, the, first, the first one was bad, um, very thin. The second one was pretty good. Um, this one I just opened right before we came on. It's called Sariette. Uh, it's a white Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris. If you let me speak, um, <laughs> um, it's a 2017 Cabernet Franc, so it's a red. Uh, and it's pretty good. Apparently, uh, Sariette is the French word for savory. 
which kind of makes sense because this is not very sweet uh, for a red. It's not very sweet at all, quite frankly, but not in a bad way. Um, it's not as good as the second bottle, but it's definitely better than the first bottle, which was kind of garbage. Um, Are those both reds too? Yeah, there it's a it's a full. Um, I guess you can do like red or white or mixed. Um, so I got the red, uh, and so far, you know, two of the three bottles I got for dirt cheap are, have turned out to be good. That's you know, I can't complain about that. It's not a bad return. Like I said earlier, we'll have more off season, more rigorous off season content for you. Uh, hopefully starting next week. We do have some DC United news to get into this week. There is a new, well, there is reportedly on black and red United, uh, a, a new technical director for, for the team. His name is Dane Murphy. He played for a couple of years for DC United was most recently the technical director at RSL. Um, and uh, before that was the head scout at the New York Cosmos. And I think, Immediately before that, in 2015 or 2014, he was a player for the New York Cosmos. Uh, so he's he's quickly worked his way up. Um, I think he's he's pretty well known for having lots of connections um, in in the scouting world and and around the country, frankly. Um, and he seemed to be well regarded at RSL. They obviously have have done a pretty good job of building their squad out there. Um, on a relative budget. So Jason, what, what can you tell us about Mr. Dane Murphy? Uh, I know that the work uh, that he was involved with at Real Salt Lake is pretty impressive. Um, both, um, especially when you, when you look at their, the success of their having their, the um, Monarchs, their USL team, uh, and it being a, a real path of development for their academy players becoming uh, first team players. RSL is one of the biggest, or uh, I guess their minutes total is, is one of the highest in the league. Um, it, it's a big part of what they want to do. They don't just uh, um, want to rely on signing players from all over. And so they end up with... Uh, I think they've had multiple players, uh, especially in you know defensive positions, starting as uh, you know starting as academy players. Uh, Corey Baird uh, is from their academy. Um, I don't know exactly how involved he was in each of those, um, but it's definitely one of those things where, from afar, it, it you know it seems like a pretty good sign. Um, it it seems like he's uh, someone who's definitely on the up uh, as far as you know. He's only thirty two years old, so. He hasn't been at it for very long, but he's already coming off of at least one successful period with a different MLS team. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that United needed. Uh, they needed somebody uh, to be more of an eye out on both the youth side of things. They've got to build out Loudoun County from z- zero players. Um, and they, yeah, they've know, been, they, they've touted the recent announcement of partnerships with various elite youth clubs as a pathway to pro. And they needed someone to implement that. Right. So it's not just on paper. There's actually somebody whose job it is to shepherd, to, to ensure there are connections between those academies and DC United's academy and the academy and Loudoun United and Loudoun United and DC United. There, there's an actual pathway. They're not just distinct silos. Yeah. And it also, it's just, an, it's a, it's a good sign for the team that this isn't, 
all of that is not being distributed amongst the existing plates on the yes. table. They're putting down, putting this on someone else's plate that wasn't there before. Um, we've talked about this uh, on this podcast, on the site, in person, um, about how the team needs to have more people working for it. Um, and this is a, a good step in that direction. And hopefully it's not the only step, but uh, it's a good start. Ben, any thoughts on on hiring a technical director? It is a surprising amount of investment from this new ownership group when it's a front office that hasn't seen much investment in, what, a decade? So just from that perspective, backing, backing out from Dane Murphy himself, it's good to see them investing more, having more eyes in the technical uh, department than just... Dave Casper than just uh, uh, Kurt Morsink as a scout and then no longer a scout since he's a player agent in Costa Rica now. Uh, these are the sorts of things you need to build a successful MLS team in 2018, in 2016, in 2020. So the fact that they're now getting to it is a good sign. And it can't stop with just a technical director. It needs to, they need to build out the, the technical side of the team writ large. And this is a good step. And hopefully they continue to build this uh, team and build the uh, soccer evaluation side of the team going forward so that they can have a great first team and that they can have a great team in Loudoun County and they can have the best players moving up through the Academy into Loudoun County and into the first team. Yeah, they've said they want to, for for whatever you think of the Red Bulls uh, on a moral level, they have created a blueprint um, for sustainable success in this league. And it hurts to say that, but they are not the worst team to emulate and, and integrating your entire system so that you have a pipeline of talent into the per- first team producing guys like Tyler Adams. Uh, th- that's That's good. More Chris Durkins is good. And this, this will hopefully this position uh, will hopefully help the young Chris Durkins and Bill Hamid's and Andy Nahar's in, in the DC area get to and in the, the Richmond area team. and the Richmond area. Sure. Yep. The entire, that's DC. where Chris Durkin, that's where Chris Durkin came from. Yeah, it's true. His little brother, of course, in Atlanta, uh, Greg Roach gave him stick for that on his podcast, which was good of Greg I, to do. I will say I, I I'll recommend an article that um the folks at Once a Metro put out recently. If you want to know more about the way Red Bulls Two is operated, um, it's just a breakdown of their end of season you know contracts uh, extended and options decline and all that stuff. Um, but the way Red Bulls Two works to to sum the thing up is that um they don't actually have that many players on Red Bulls Two contracts, um even at the best of times. And then at the end of the season, they opted to keep five of their team and everyone else was let go because they're, even though they've been competitive and they make the playoffs, it's a development first uh, wing of that organization. And so the guys that they've determined aren't going to ever make the cut, they let them go and they'll restock with a brand new crop of players um, and the way they fill out their their game day roster is guys from the academy um, and then uh, players who are under 
uh, MLS contracts that play on loan there. Um, and that's it. Um, so, uh, it's, it's been very effective for them. You know, the Red Bulls two team always has, I think made the playoffs every year they've existed. Um, yeah, they won the USL cup one year. Right. And then also, um, they happen to be stocking the actual Red Bulls first team with players who can walk in right away and contribute, not just, guys to sit on the bench in uniform and, and fill out that when everyone's hurt, but guys that are getting into games and become, you know, in some cases, significant players, you know, Vincent Bezacourt until he got hurt was a starter for the Red Bulls. Um, Alex Mawil, um was on the bench because Bezacourt was keeping him out. Uh, so um, these are not just guys to fill out the 18. This is a, a potential thing where it's making a difference in every single game. And that's, you know, it's good to be shooting for that. It's, it's, you know, it sucks that it's the Red Bulls that figured it out more than anyone else, but um, United's goal should be to, to exceed that. Uh, But, you know, they're playing catch up. Uh, Moving on. There is a friendly that may already happen by the time you're listening to this. We're recording on Wednesday and I think the friendly is on Thursday. Uh, United right. States traveling to England, playing a game at Wembley, which is a testimonial of sorts for one Mr. Wayne Rooney. You may have heard of him. Uh, it, it's essentially a game to uh, benefit his charity, uh, the Wayne Rooney Foundation, which supports at-risk youth. Um, seems like a pretty good cause. Uh, he's not going to start in this game. He's going to let... Uh, Gareth Southgate, the the English manager, uh, do what he needs to do to prepare his players for the UEFA Nations League and and going forward into World Cup qualifying, et cetera, or Euro qualifying, I guess, is first. Um, and uh, he's going to come on as a second half substitute. And if you think this doesn't seem like a huge deal, you're not English. You're right, yeah. but also you're not English because yeah, screw them. Primony and in England, this has apparently been such a huge deal, and everyone is so negative. I don't understand English fans. Yeah, I don't understand them either. I, it's it is ridiculous how negative they've been to a game that doesn't mean anything and a call up that doesn't mean anything in a game that is for charity. I mean, it's if you took all the worst American soccer fan thoughts about uh, like the team under, in the last years under Bob Bradley or under Jurgen Klinsmann and then ratcheted up to the level of uh, Americans caring about the NFL. Maybe that gets close to uh, how English fans feel, but you also get but for the, the first time in a generation, England shouldn't be in a dark place right now. They had an okay world cup. But they didn't win it, so uh, they, uh, they, they hate they hate themselves. Well, well, yeah, but I, I, it's it's just ridiculous. And you understand a little bit why Wayne Rooney wanted to go to not England to continue playing because if you can get a good amount of money, why would you continue to play there when they their media and their fans just want to grind everybody down every day of every year? Yeah, and Rooney has commented about how and he has, the, the and like, media is less intense here. 
Right, and he has nothing left to prove. And he has nothing left to prove in England, so why continue to subject himself to that? Yeah, and uh, of note, he said he has no interest in an off-season loan uh, back to Everton or or anywhere else. And he he said that he intends to finish his career in D.C., Um, he said in an interview. And that that was cool to hear. Like, we know he's not just here for a payday and a lot a last kind of, uh, you know, just run around the stadium. He's actually trying to win stuff here. We saw that this year. Um, but he, the, the, he does plan to make this the last stop, um, which, you know, for, for better or worse, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting to hear and, and worth noting. Yeah. Uh, another, Oh, go ahead, Jason. I was, I was going to add that, um, in the the postseason media availability with with uh, Ben Olson, um, you know, even even having been involved in the game for so long, he was still surprised at the English media reaction to the concept of a friendly that is for charity and is a testimonial for their all time leading scorer, um, and that the backlash was first of all that there was a backlash and that it was so. Uh, people are freaking out about how, what is what is uh, what do an, what does an English cap mean anymore? This this devalues the the concept of a cap. It's a friendly. Like friendlies have been demeaned thoroughly over the years. They don't really mean much of anything anymore for anybody. Right. Um, and Rooney flat out said he wouldn't be doing this if he was taking somebody else's record. He's right. he's already the most capped field player. He's. This will put him five behind the most capped player in English history, a, a goalkeeper whose name I didn't find worth remembering. Uh, and that, that that goalkeeper was very against Rooney doing this. Yeah, that was Peter, Peter continued Shelton. bullshit. But yeah, it, it's just you know a very extremely outdated mentality towards these things. Um, international friendlies used to be extraordinarily big occasions. Uh, now they are where your national team coach experiments. They are glorified training exercises. They are not important. Um, maybe I'm saying this as someone who's been a con- uh, club before country for many years and is now almost like, I don't even want to hear about countries playing soccer. Yep. Um, but this is literally least, the furthest countries playing soccer. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, the media, their their reaction to it is preposterous, and it's also like ginned up. It's one of those things that they do, yeah. Um, where they're getting clicks, yeah. So your your uh, your sites of a certain political persuasion are are definitely very traditionalist, and um, will yell about how Rooney is ruining the concept of English caps, and then the other side comes back and has their argument, and then they go back and forth, and it's just something they to keep the engine of this pointless machine going. Um, don't, it's, my, it's my advice to you, that he's here instead of there. My advice to you is don't click on any English media websites, especially about soccer, except maybe the two biggest names who I'm sure, you know, but anyone else don't do it. Definitely don't click on anything named for the star at the center of our, our solar system <laughs> or anything that has daily in its name. Yeah. Um, a, a, one thing I think that, uh, or another thing that that's worth noting is that the, the current England players actually seem like human beings on this. Um, 
Fabian Delph, who I think plays for Man City, uh, was just named England captain. And it's it's become public that that Rooney's going to come on in the second half. And and Delph has said that he will give the armband, the captain's armband to Rooney. And it's going to be one of the highlights of his career to do so because he grew up idolizing Wayne Rooney. It, it, I think it would be very hard to grow up in England uh, in the last you know, 20 years uh, w- without idolizing Wayne Rooney to some degree. Um, and his daughters, uh, Fabian Delft's daughters are also huge fans. They know that their dad is as well. And they're all going to just be living this dream watching their dad give the armband to a, one of his heroes. And that is such a human story. And that it, that that's good. That is a good thing from sports is this kind of connection and, and meeting your heroes and them living up to what you think they are. And, um, that that's exciting for me that that part makes this this whole exercise and including the negativity from the english media and fan base it makes it all kind of worth it um because you have this this good thing coming out of it and also money for charity um so i thought i thought that was really neat and good good for fabian delph for for being a human being (laughs) It's also nice to have a DC United player involved in this because yes. on our side, on our, our side of dumb national team developments, uh, the United States men's national team, uh, yeah. writ large. Um, yes, gestures broadly. <laughs> I'm so ready for Dave Sarson to be gone. Like I just, I'm so done with him. Players, he, point, it's pointless. It's, it's pointless. Ben, I have good news. He's going to be gone real well, soon. Why no? But why isn't he gone now? Like, what's the point of the, these friendlies? What's the point of Dave Sarishan? Like, it's it, this is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's out of respect to the Columbus Crew fan base that they haven't named Greg Verhalter head coach yet. Or, or Adam, what if they're still interviewing other candidates? <laughs> what do you mean still interviewing other candidates? They haven't interviewed. They haven't done it. I mean, I, I saw this going around today, and... There are a lot of problems with the interview process that happened, but Dave Sarishan not getting happen. interviewed is not one of these problems. No, and I, I will give limited props to Sarishan for Sarakin, Sarachin? Sarakin, probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. Yeah, you, you got me in my head, Ben. I did. <laughs> uh, you did it on purpose, too. You bastard. Uh, I'll, I'll give props to him for calling in young players and I will not getting them out of the many props for anything. I mean, it, I don't it's understand. like giving someone props for like, you know, putting their pants on in the morning. No, yeah. It, except some of his predecessors couldn't. Yeah, I know. They walked the out morning. nude well, yeah. and we said, please go back inside your house. Um, as, Chris Rock said, as Chris Rock said, you want credit for shit you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, when the people before you didn't do the shit they were supposed to do. Yeah. You get a little bit of credit for it. Yeah. Not much, but you get a little bit. And, and he Bob shouldn't Bradley be the forever. permanent coach. He sh- Sarakin should not be the permanent coach. Uh, I, I don't know that Greg Burhalter should be either, but it looks like that's the the, the train we're getting yeah. on. Um, and and hopefully Burhalter does a better job of calling in guys know. like Russell Knauss, who clearly deserve a call up. Paul Ariola, who's been fantastic. Bill Hamid, who uh, might be, if not. It, it, if not the best all around goalkeeper, certainly in the conversation right now for American active goalkeepers under the age of 95. I assume uh, we'll get into this a little more once he's officially hired, but I'm 
not confident. We've, we've in gotten into it in the last couple of weeks already. Uh, I don't think we need to go into any more depth. Instead, let's talk about important things. Postseason awards. Two DC awards United are stupid, players. but they would be less stupid if they went to the right people. <laughs> Do you want to credit anybody for that quote? I mean, Ron Swanson, of course. Okay. Just wanted to make sure proper credit was given for anyone who is not a Mike Schur, uh super fan. Or not even super fan. Anyway, two DC United players named two MLS's best 11 this year. And you know who they are. I don't even have to say. Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta in the best 11. Um, and and th- there's not really any any doubt as to their deserving. Um, I, any, do either of you want to wax poetic about their, their contributions? We've probably done that enough times. We really, um, we have. It, it's, you don't want to belabor the point too much. They were good. They deserved it. Um, yeah. It's good that they got recognized uh, because as we'll see with some of these other awards, they could have not been recognized. Yep. Yes. Uh, starting at the back, Zach Steffen, um, who who's made some spectacular saves looks like he's in line to be the U S number one going forward. But if you look at the numbers, he, he was middle of the road, um, but he's young and pretty good and played on a good team. So he got the nod. Um, an, another Stefan, Stefan Fry uh, was also in the running Zach Steffen, the goalkeeper of the year. Obviously, he's the goalkeeper in the best 11. Um, Which was a mistake. Stefan Fry was better than Zach Steffen this year. Yes. Um, Yes, he was. I'm not just saying that because I I know the folks at Sounder at Heart will chase anyone down that admits to voting for someone other than Stefan Fry. I did vote for Stefan Fry in the um, uh, MLS end of year balloting, and I was apparently in the minority, which is strange. I I think the media actually broke for fry like they they released the the i thought i thought they were closer to i I thought i thought they were closer to getting it right than others but not actually getting it right okay yeah you might i don't remember the percentages but i think that um the big gap was fan voting yeah or good job fans no it was the player vote the player vote. oh okay is the player get a vote there's there's no there's players, uh, player club media, media and and club front so office personnel. Player vote was thirty six percent. Stefan, six percent. Fry. Wow. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And then media if, was media if, was media was fourteen percent. Uh, Stefan, thirty one percent. Fry. Still not great. Right, but the players were just like Zach Stefan. Okay. Well. Yeah, and there, I, I know there's been some debate on Twitter. It's like, well, players know the game better than than a lot of people. It's, they they know their games better than than just about anyone. But they there there are players who the game. Yes, there uh, are players who who treat this as their job. And you know, I don't come home and find more work to do for my job. I come home right. and podcast about soccer. Um, maybe there's players who come home and you know look up legislation and, and figure out what it means uh, like I do at my day job. 
but they a lot of them don't watch soccer. Some of them are super fans and and will watch any soccer there is, but some of Phil them Hamid. really yeah. really don't. Some of them just completely tune out. And you hear this from elite players in in Europe too. I think Carlos Tevez said he'd never watched a a soccer game on TV because he doesn't like watching soccer. He likes he he plays soccer because he's good at it and it's his job. And otherwise he wants nothing to do with the sport. Um, and that's not totally uncommon uh, among players. And and that's fine, but we shouldn't ask those players to then make judgments about, you know, stupid postseason awards uh, as, as Ben and Ron Swanson before him said uh, moving on, Chad Marshall, Aaron Long, Kamar Lawrence, uh, the defenders in in the the best eleven. I I guess I don't have any strong issues with that. No, that's more or less reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, going forward uh, into the midfield, a bunch of attacking midfielders. No DMs in this one. No no defense uh, beyond the three. Was. Yeah, two center backs and a full back are all the defense you're getting out of this one. Carlos Vela, Nacho Piatti, Miguel Amiron, Lucho Acosta are the midfielders in this. And that's a pretty, pretty good selection. I like that Piatti got love. I think it's his third best 11, second best 11. Um, Carlos Vela was, when he was on, he was fantastic for LAFC. Uh, Miguel Amiron, uh, arguably, the MVP. He's a finalist for MVP. Um, he, you know, Joseph Martinez gets all the love and we'll, we'll get to him, but Miguel Amiron is, I mean, we saw what Atlanta were without him, even when he's not at a hundred percent, when he's on the field, they are a much different team. Uh, and he's going to be transferred for a lot of money very soon. <laughs> I guess my one thing with that is, and it gets into something that's been bothering me forever, is that MVP should not be used as a substitute for best. There should be, if anything, there's, if there's only going to be one award, it should be player of the year, not most yeah. valuable, because most valuable player means a different thing. Um, right. Yeah. Like Wayne Rooney should be up for MVP. He should not be up for best player because he only played half a season. You right. get into most valuable, you get into um, so many other things that are not in that player's control, um, off the field stuff that it's hard to judge. Um, there should, if they're going to do an MVP award, there should also be a best player award. And I think Al Maroon at that point would be up for best player rather than MVP because Atlanta is still really, really good without him. Um so yeah, my my annual take on this is that MLS should have a uh, different awards. They should have Player of the Year. They should have a young player rather than a rookie uh, award because yeah. there are a lot of young players that are ineligible for Rookie of the Year, and also now Rookie of the Year is becoming an incredibly small pool of yeah, players right. that uh Corey Baird won it against. Yeah, there's nobody. like five guys <laughs> that played over a thousand minutes. There's no, it's not difficult to vote for should, Rookie of the Year. They should also right. get rid of comeback player because it's a dumb award too. But that's always been a farce. Um, yeah. Ever since David Beckham won it for being David Beckham. Yeah, they should just change that to player of the year. I mean, they should. 
they sh- they should probably get rid of MVP because there's always going to be an argument about what the hell it means and just have a player of the year. I mean, you could even keep it named for Landon Donovan if you really want to the Landon or Donovan player Donald. of the year award. Um, I, I, I'm just trying to throw them a bone, but yeah, I agree. They, they, they did right by changing the 24 under 24 to the 22 under 22 this year. Um, they need to do the same thing in the postseason award. Uh, Forwards, Wayne Rooney, Joseph Martinez, Latan Ibrahimovic uh, round out the best 11 this year. Um, again, no real quibbles. Rooney was great in his half a season. I think he was good enough for the best 11. Um, yeah, I mean, going Martinez back to what battered the, the single season goals records, Latan did some Zlatan things and also scored 20 goals and had 10 assists. It's hard to keep that out of the the best 11. Right. And going back to what Jason was just saying, Zlatan definitely belongs on a uh, best 11 or a player of the year award, but the LA Galaxy weren't any better with him. He was not valuable in the sense that he made them, he got them into the playoffs because he didn't. So it's an interesting case with him being there that he didn't right. actually make them really up. I mean, they would have been worse without him, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't from the angle of how bad he, would they have been without him? Sure. But he didn't do what Wayne Rooney did for right. it. I remember when they acquired Zlatan, a lot of us were like, didn't you just pay a lot of money for Ola Kamara to score goals for you? And there's no way to reasonably get him and Zlatan on the field and also work with Gio Dos Santos and, and Jana Dos Santos and uh, Sebastian Legette and uh, Boateng and all, all these other attacking pieces. He just, he doesn't fit with the way they were structured and, you know, whether that contributed to their failings early on and Siggy Schmidt's dismissal, uh, they were better once Dom Kinnear played super basic with them and just said, kick the ball up to Zlatan. Yeah. So let, let him do let that. Figure it out. Um, and and in that sense, he was he was very valuable in that once his acquisition broke the team, he was the only thing that worked. Um, I, I would kind of enjoy if the LA Galaxy were cursed to Dom Kinnearedom forever. That'd be a good curse for them. I don't think they will be, but that would be fun in that it would be terrible. Uh, Zlatan, the newcomer of the year, he beat out Wayne Rooney uh, for that award. Whatever. Uh, he also beat out uh, Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta for the goal of the year, which this is maybe wrong the, and bad and the wrong. second the second biggest tragedy or travesty I've seen in goal of the year type voting. Um, it was his first time shot from from distance in his debut against LAFC um, that that won it for him. Not his his spinning kick goal to I think either draw or win a game and also set his 500 career goal which if you were gonna I guess either of them makes sense if you're gonna pick one of his but neither of them was the buzzard beater um which which should have won because it was ridiculous it was amazing and it it changed the entire course of the season it has it ticks all of the boxes and the fact that Orlando City's defense was below average on that shouldn't matter that much. Like that goal had such a high degree of difficulty that 
it, it it shouldn't have gone in in any in any sense of the matter. And the fact that it went in, the fact that it was created, the fact that it changed it, it without that, DC United doesn't get in the playoffs probably. Yeah. Uh, just from an emotional standpoint. All of those things should have made that goal of the year. Yeah, the fact that it was Rooney tracking back. Yeah, Rooney exactly. No legs running down Will Johnson, who will forever uh, be the guy that Wayne Rooney ran down. And that is beautiful. Also, can we just aside the fact that uh, Orlando City didn't realize how many games Will Johnson played and inadvertently triggered his <laughs> option is just amazing. That is it's also incredible. They, they did a Breck Shea and they did it with Will Johnson. Um, who, who makes a lot of money. That's not a small contract that no. they are on the hook for. So, and also he's way worse than Breck Shea. It's, it's a great piece of work from a team known for doing inter- incredibly smart things all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the the Lucho goal, it's it's obviously the biggest moment of the year, the best moment of the year in MLS. Um, we're talking about a 97th minute game winner in a game that was bonkers in its own way. Maybe not the best game, but definitely an, a crazy game. Um, we're talking about Wayne Rooney. Tra- like The goalkeeper has been sent up. Wayne Rooney is tracking back making a tackle that could have been a dog. So red card, if he gets it wrong, then putting a ball in where the shortest player on the field goes up to get, win a header to score the game winner in the 97th minute and also complete a hat trick um, on a team that then goes on a great run and is in unquestionably sparked by the emotions of that game. Um, I can't fathom what would possess somebody to vote against it it was it's preposterous yeah. that, that people voted otherwise it should have been a 100 percent vote um and so everyone else that voted against it you're wrong and i i don't like you anymore and you are what's wrong with soccer in this country there are and many things you're are wrong, wrong and all of them are you <laughs> yeah um yeah i i, I said at the I, I said earlier this was the one of the two biggest travesties uh, in goal of the year type voting. The other one was Carly Lloyd's midfield goal in the world cup final to seal a hat trick of her own, uh, not winning the Puskas award. Um, that is so far. I I mean, that was sexism. You can at least pin that on something. Um, they wanted to give the award to a man to be sexist. Yes. Um, especially in sports. Always do it. Yeah. Uh, I I said, but not people. Uh, FIFA oh, will FIFA. always, yeah. FIFA will always deliver you some sort of sexism. Yeah, I mean, you can generally count on people to be yeah. sexist too, especially That's in true. sports. Uh, but FIFA is above and beyond. But I, I still am mad about Carly Lloyd not winning that, and I'm not even the biggest Carly Lloyd stand there is. Uh, I'm not a Carly Lloyd stand at all. Um, but that that that's unforgivable that she she didn't win that award and this segment for what was going to be a short show has gone on for 50 minutes so we're going to call it a segment and we'll be right back to talk about uh some more mls type stuff in what will hopefully not be as long of a segment thank you for sticking with us this is filibuster hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, 
Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that I, uh, I I care about aesthetics in in sports. I like logos. I like uniforms, and uh, I'm not the only one. There, there's a lot of people who who do. Uh, if you're listening to this, you might be one of them. In which case, you care about the FC Cincinnati logo more than you probably should. And it has been a hot topic of conversation since it leaked and then was later confirmed. Um, it's, it's not the best. <laughs> I I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do. Uh, although now I'm seeing it on MLS's website in the row of logos at the top, it, it doesn't avail itself well in, in that context. Um, it is a, a slightly rounded upside down Pentagon with a white diagonal stripe down the middle. And the top left is blue. The bottom right larger part is orange. It says FC in the top part, Cincinnati on the diagonal and has a flying lion with a crown and a sword in the bottom part. Um, it, it, it looks immediately out of date. Um, and, and not in the way that a classic like FC Barcelona looks out of date. Yeah. It's, it looks like it's from the eighties and not in a good way. Yeah. I think it, it could be from the eighties in a good way. Like it looks like if it's not, if they had a good logo now, but they wanted to do like a faux seventies, eighties throwback. This would be kind of cool in that context. Context matters. Right. And in, in the, the right context, this logo would be good as an, mm-hmm. a, a, a faux back alternative. I think when you're but branding yourself to go with as their introduction to major league soccer, it's, it's, Super basic. Yeah, I think when you're branding yourself to a brand new audience, when you're introducing yourself, context doesn't matter. You've got to hit it right off the bat, and this doesn't. Right. I and that's what no, that's that is the context for this. Is right. this is the wrong logo for the context of an introduction and a a new logo for a new team? Um, it's 
it, it's more professional looking than their their USL logo, which looks like something a freshman design student put together and not a good I... freshman design student. But like this one looks more professional. It was the team that did the, the design studio that did Juventus's new logo, which I think is great. Not everyone does. It's polarizing. This logo isn't polarizing. Everyone seems to hate this. I mean, I think the problem with it is that like I, I see it and I just, I don't feel anything. It's yeah. just a, it's a logo. Um, it, it looks like the kind of logo that any random uh, rec league team might cobble together with the one guy on their team that, that is okay at using Photoshop. Uh, they might slap something together real quick. Um, it's also got, it's got nothing to do with the city of Cincinnati other than the crown, which if you didn't know that Cincinnati was the queen city, you would not make the association. Um, even if you lived there, I don't know that you would make the association because it's a crown on a lion that's flying and carrying a sword. It's the least important part of that logo or of that, that part of the logo. And, And it's a, uh, that lion is a uh, religious symbol. Yes, it is. And they aren't, they didn't stumble into that. Like one of their owners is like, yep, that's what we wanted. Yeah. And the lion's not new. That's been a part of their logo for the entire existence of FC Cincinnati, but since they stole the team from the Dayton Dutch lions, (laughs) Uh, which, you know, it's, Cincinnati is closer to Dayton than Orlando is to Austin, at least. But yeah, it's it's Christian icon- iconography. Um, it is the 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 lion of I think Saint Mark the Evangelist, mm-hmm. um, early Catholic saint, um, and it, it was used to depict him and depict the spread of Catholicism, and uh, there's many paintings of it. It's it's explicitly Christian, um, which if the you know if you're a, an organization like Athletes in Action, and if you ever watch college basketball, you probably saw an exhibition of your team against AIA, um, who are a, a Christian and evangelist group. They're they're a Christian evangelist team that goes around playing basketball to spread the good word, and that's fine. That's their mission. That's what they do. They're not a, a professional sports team in, in the sense that FC Cincinnati will be. They are not representing, like, you notice Athletes in Action doesn't have a city associated with it. It doesn't have a, a it's not purporting to represent a community beyond what they are. And not all of Cincinnati is Catholic or Christian. And uh, Pablo Maurer has been beating this drum, and I, I think he's right to do so. Um, that this this logo is a little bit exclusionary, and that's that's a problem. It, it's a problem, and also like, and and maybe we should yield the floor to Ben as uh, the podcast Cincinnati expert. Um, <laughs> there's nothing on it that says Cincinnati. Other than the word Cincinnati, there's nothing about it that makes it a Cincinnati thing. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is known for a number of things. Uh, Bad chili. Okay, I'm ending this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's not chili, it's pasta sauce. 
if you if you call it pasta sauce, we can live with it, but it, I will not accept it as chili. Ben? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I don't know how you had to go there. I wasn't going to bring up chili. <laughs> because <laughs> if I get a chance to dunk on Skyline Chili, I, I'm not going to throw away my shot. Because it's bad. Well, it's it's bad in the universe of chili. It's Coney sauce. It's not chili. Anyway, Ben. You keep digging your grave. No, no, go ahead. Keep going. I mean, do you think they could have done like a logo that's like a map of the Ohio River with an airport in Kentucky? That would have been pretty Cincinnati. I was ben, prepared ben. to yield the floor to Ben. I was... <laughs> Yeah, you're just shitting on Cincinnati. I don't. I'm not here no. to shit on Cincinnati. So, so take the floor. I'm going Rip to. You keep shitting head. on Cincinnati. I stopped, and then you didn't say anything. So I kept going. This is your fault. Okay. What I was going to say is that they should uh, lean into the things that actually make Cincinnati good, which is uh, burning Indiana to the ground, and then also uh, leaning into the history of Cincinnati. So, I mean, do a pig-themed logo. Cincinnati is known for being Porkopolis. It's known for being one of the pig capitals of the country. Lean into that, or lean into actual the actual German heritage of the city. They apparently the city the team is known as Foosball Club Cincinnati, Whoa. but according Whoa. to MLS, they can't oh, be called Foosball Club Cincinnati. They have to be Football Club Cincinnati, and I don't know what is happening, but it is just a disaster on all fronts. But lean into the German heritage. Cincinnati has a a, a, a neighborhood called over the Rhine because there was a canal that was called the Rhine because all the Germans lived on one side. And so lean into that. Like Cincinnati is a huge, has a huge German population. So lean into that or just lean into the river and do something with the river. The flag of Cincinnati is based on, has river iconography and it is a prototypical river town. So lean into that too. There are so many options that don't have to be this weird Christian logo that has nothing to do with even the German Catholic population of the city. It's not explicitly Catholic. It's just a Christian symbol. So lead into something that is Cincinnati, not just something that the owners think embodies them. Right. Ben mentioned the flag and uh, it's as a flag, it has some issues, but I'm not going, I, I am not here to bury the flag. It has some awesome elements to it, and Ben is absolutely right that they should be using this flag um, as the as the basis of their logo. It's it's got some really good parts to it. the The river iconography, the red C or letter C in it, um, that uh, it's it's got some really good parts going there. They should have used that, Ben. You are absolutely uh-huh. right. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's that's all I got. It's it's pretty good. The logo they're using, however, not pretty good. No, no, pretty bad. And no. it could have been like that logo could be for anything. Yeah, like if it didn't say FC Cincinnati and it said FC Toledo or FC Des Moines, um, it, it wouldn't change anything. Like there's no there's nothing to it that 
says to me that this is the Cincinnati soccer team of note. Uh, well, it's just, I mean, it is, it is super explicitly soccer. Did you get that the, the rounded Pentagon is a, a panel on a soccer ball that <laughs> nobody makes anymore? Did you guys get that? Uh, I enjoyed the thing in their uh, pointless logo explainer that, that noted that the sword is there because they're ready to fight. Um, <laughs> hey, Adam, Adam, I, I request. Can I just set all Telstars on fire and all logos with Telstars on them also on fire? I, I'll allow it. Don't, okay. Do not burn actual Telstars. The like the actual ball. Well, the vintage. The, yeah, they're, they're they're super vintage now. But any logo that has Telstars in them, they were really good uh, as a ball. <laughs> okay. But any logo that has a Telstar in it that is currently extant. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna burn vintage logos and logos that don't exist anymore. But any so DC United's old logo just squeaks by, which is good yeah, because they I changed it a, a couple of stars. years ago. So, yeah, but it's no longer the current logo, so it's all right. Do you guys want to talk about playoffs? I think we should save it for next week. Okay, there's it. It, it is so far in the distance. There, there's. There's a long time before the playoffs resume. Um, thanks to FIFA's November mostly worthless uh, international break, we do get the Wayne Rooney friendly out of this. But that that's really and it. England and England freaks out about how apparently meaningful this is when it's not at all. So maybe we should ban it completely to shut down England. The only meaningful games that happened in this window were actually, and this is an ex- explicit shot at the Nations League, which is dumb, um, but the uh, Women's World Cup playoffs that happened uh, yesterday. Um, so the rest of the window is just going to carry on in a silly fashion, as it always does, and there's just nothing we can do about it. So This is a silly question. Are all the men's and women's international windows the same? Yes. Interesting. I... I- don't FIFA know why I never that, thought about that. that. FIFA has decided it has to be one calendar for everything. Um, even though that doesn't make any sense for many parts of the world, including major soccer countries, FIFA's going to FIFA. Yep. Well, next week we'll talk about what's going on if, in the if MLS you need Cup. Soccer fix this weekend. Uh, Find your local uh, college soccer team that made the tournament and go to their game. Tournament soccer is is fun and often very weird. Of course, we're recording this Wednesday night. And uh, as you're probably aware, for those of you that are in the, the D.C. region, uh, there is a really unpleasant winter storm coming on Thursday, which is the opening day of the tournament. So uh, I have actually don't have the bracket up, but if there's a local game tomorrow, it's going to suck. Uh, to, oh, to yeah. be out there for it. Hopefully, um, the the dreaded wintry mix will clear out before any right. of these games happen because it's supposed to hit overnight tonight. Um, at least in in the immediate DC area. I think further east where you I, are, Jason, it'll hit you a little later. I, I know Georgetown's women play on Friday at home. Um, they're a number one seed, so you can expect that they should be pretty good. Um, oh, yeah, Maryland is Maryland's men are at home on Sunday against a team that is yet to be determined because it is a there's a it's a 48 team tournament so you've got to win to uh advance to the round that Maryland is in so um 
But yeah, there are games to go to in the area this weekend that hopefully aren't ruined by terrible weather. All right, let's get out of here then. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of filibuster find us uh at blackandredunited.com if you want to support us uh we we welcome any and all donations at patreon.com slash filibuster uh find us on twitter at filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red U for the website all of our personal uh twitter handles are listed on the filibuster twitter page Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We really do read everything that's sent to us. Uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Ratings and reviews are always welcomed, unless they're bad, in which case, you know, we can't stop you from writing a bad review. But if you're still listening to this show at this point, you either, and you don't like it, you either hate yourself or, uh, I don't know, just practice self-care. That, that's that's my advice uh please tell a friend about the show whenever you uh i don't know when you would be talking about dc united at this point but maybe when you're watching the the at work to all of your friends every yeah. day all the time just yell at people yeah and you, yell, you know maybe don't do that when you're having a friendly conversation about soccer or dc united mention the podcast we really appreciate that for jason and ben i'm adam and We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. We thought this show would be short. It's never short.